Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. In this roundtable discussion, I am joined once again by my sister, Kay Kellum. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. We are going to be talking about and having a spoiler-filled discussion on the 2003 Daredevil film starring Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner. It was, as I would place it, post-alias and pre-Grey's Anatomy in the television world. For Jennifer Garner, she would have been, I think, fully at the end of the alias run. I think pretty much, if not, like, within a season or so, I'm trying to think when it was, because she took, like, part of a season off. It was sometime after she'd been established an alias, either during or not too long after. I'd have to go figure out when alias ended. But the Grey's Anatomy one is, um, first off, beyond those two, uh, of Ben Affleck and Jennifer Gardner, this was a, a really strong cast. Remarkably strong. Uh, Michael Clark Duncan as the Kingpin. Colin Farrell as uh, Bullseye. Bullseye. Uh, uh, the one who played Ben Urich, uh, the reporter. Joe Pantaleone. Yeah, uh, from The Matrix, among other things. Eric Avari was Electra's father. He had been in uh, the Stargate movie and uh, actually the TV series as well, among other things. The director, John Favreau, for the Iron Man first films, who also played Happy, he played Foggy Nelson. And then Karen Page, the uh, secretary... And at one point, love interest for Daredevil, but not in this film, but in the comics, was played by Ellen uh, Pompeo from uh, Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. Meredith Grey. Yeah, Meredith Grey. It was almost a nothing role here in the film other than she's there kind of a thing. And she's there long enough to get established and then we never see her again. She delivered a piece of mail after taking a phone call. It was enough of a scene and a talking part that I actually wondered and asked you, do you think there were scenes that were cut? Because they were in the office once or twice at other times. Almost had to be. But it was such a small role, I can't imagine her having taken it after Grey's aired. Yeah. Because that was such a huge hit so quickly. This film, again, 2003, many years ago, is interesting for a couple of uh, respects. One, this is... uh, the second time, actually, uh, live-action Daredevil happened. Okay. The first was uh, one of the incre- the trial of the Incredible Hulk, I think was the TV movie. And it had, gosh, I'm trying to think who played Daredevil there. But Daredevil was in that. It was when they were taking the Bill Bixby, uh, Lou Ferrigno Hulk series into TV movies and trying to establish Thor, um, Daredevil... I don't remember who else they tried to establish. One or two others. I would say to mixed success, but I will agree with the mixed part only. You know, it was one of those, it, they were trying to branch it out, it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. None of those really panned out to anything. But we had seen Daredevil, we had seen uh, Kingpin live action. So this is the first movie version. And of course, uh, we've got the Netflix TV show starting up soon. Now, one of the comments that you made, and one of the reasons that I enjoy watching these with you, is you'll give me little tips as it's going. I don't want to say in lulls in the movie, because that's not fair, but I'll phrase it as, just as songs have bridges, movies have those little moments where it's more background music. 
I, I try to, to wait for the quieter moments to, yeah. to fill in. It's not director commentary, it's more follower commentary. Yeah, but you give me the little tips of, you know, that's the name of an artist from the comics, and little things I would miss. Oh, certainly. Definitely. They sprinkled uh, creator names left, right, and center. There's a uh, Jose Casada, who's a, a defendant in one of the cases, and of course it's named after Joe Casada, uh, who's currently, you know, one of the higher-ups at Marvel, but... He was also the one that, around this time frame, maybe before, I'm trying to remember the dates, did the Marvel Knights imprint over at Marvel. Mm -hmm. Basically, they took, shoot, what was the other publisher? Was it Event Comics? There was a, another publisher that was doing some really cool stuff. And they basically said, here's a couple of characters, go play with them. Mm. And it was kind of, I don't want to say lower rung characters, but it was Daredevil. It, I think it might have included Moon Knight, Punisher, and a few others. And they did some really cool a little edgier kind of comics. And it worked out well enough that not only did those things kind of get folded back into the mainstream of the Marvel Universe, not that it was out of continuity, but into the editorial mainstream. Mm -hmm. But uh, Quesada, you know, really, you know, that was the start of his rise to, to major prominence over at Marvel. But they mentioned Bendis, Mac, uh, Miller, a few others. I think Frank Miller is actually one of the people who, who was killed by... Uh, bullseye at one point. I think we saw that in the ending credits, yeah. Yeah, it might have been the guy who he took the motorcycle from. Ah, okay, yes, that makes sense. But I'd have to, to double check. Yeah, um, but one of the comments that you made at one point, and I thought it was very telling, both about the movie, etc., was that this was a very good portrayal of Kingpin, a good actor choice, mm -hmm. a strong choice, etc., and it was a case where they simply went with the best actor who was available, who auditioned, etc. Well, prior to this movie, the Kingpin had always been white, Caucasian. They got Michael Clark Duncan, who fit the role to a T. And that is something that I think is fantastic. Because so often these days we see these articles about people are saying, well, you have to cast one Asian in your project, one black in your project, one this, one that, one the other. And for us to get to the end of the movie and for you to say, oh, by the way, they happen to have cast the best person who happened to be black in a role that traditionally a white person had been in, and in terms of it making a difference, did I think it was better or worse for being black? No, I just thought he did one heck of a standout job in the role. I do think there are certain roles that you have to cast the right ethnicity, or you, you, can, you can cast the wrong ethnicity for, but they are few and far between. I do not want to see a black Abraham Lincoln. I will concede that point. That's the sort of thing. Yes, I, I will concede that point right off the bat. There are a few roles that, forgive now, now, me if I it sounds racist, I, I can't Actually, an African-American as Abraham Lincoln, where everybody is seeing him as white or some such, I think there is a movie there. I think there's, a, but it's, it's a very unique take, and it would mm -hmm. need to have a very uh, strong writer-director behind that to make that work. Yes. But it's also a story that that in and of itself is part of the message, the point of, of that story. Well, and there are some fantastic CDs that I picked up several years ago where Nat King Cole was in an era where you just weren't going to get an entirely black cast for a production of, for instance, My Fair Lady. 
mm-hmm. where really it needed to be a single ethnicity to make it believable or yeah. the right balance. You know, so he did the CD to the soundtrack of My Fair Lady and a few others, and they're fantastic. Along those lines, um, Electra is Greek. Mm-hmm. Eric Avari is playing her father. Yes, yes. Jennifer Gardner. Not somebody I really see as, oh yeah, she's she's Greek looking. Yeah, I'm pretty sure her roots are in West Virginia. Again, nothing wrong with it. She did a really good job. And you know, it's funny because the scene where she is really strutting her stuff, not the first fight sequence with um, Ben Affleck, but the one where she pulls out the Electra knives the first time and oh, she's practicing. the training montage. Yes. And I love that montage. She has a great flip where she's sort of balancing between the sandbags and everything. I really enjoyed that. But the funny thing is, throughout a lot of the film, I kept thinking, I wonder how many dance classes she took to prepare for this. I think there was some... some, She's got to have some sort of dance or gymnastics in her background. But also, having done Alias, Mm. I think she was very well prepared to do the sort of action sequence yes she did it well ben affleck did a terrific job well and both of them i was loving the way they kind of held their bodies and their body language they felt and looked so comfortable and at ease and poised i didn't notice who did the fight choreography i didn't think to notice either but it had i would say a very uh hong kong Mm -hmm. influence because not only do we have some great fight sequences, some good movements, the actors do really well. There's probably stunt doubles in there somewhere, but it was one of those where it's not, aha, that's the stunt double. There were places where, okay, here's some wire work. Well, there, there was a lot of airtime yeah. Yeah, in these things. Some of the airtime was, I'll just say, I loved some of the bits where I'm like, okay, that may be more Spider-Man than well, when they're leaping from rooftop yeah. to rooftop. And they're literally hanging in the air for 15 seconds or some such. Even even Bullseye was doing that. Oh, but it was so much fun to watch him fly and to watch him slide between the window washing. I don't know what you call those carriers. Well, the the window washer. uh, uh, See? Yeah, I don't know either. (laughs) I was going to say... Oh, crap. I'm blanket on it. Not dumb waiters, but they're little special slide up and down the side of the building things. the platforms or whatever. Yeah. It was just, there were so many fun things. You made me forget the word entirely. It's now out of my vocabulary. (laughs) That's what sisters are for. But, I mean, the fight sequences are good. There were times where with kind of the more parkour movements, Mm. like you're, you're referring to, where I felt they went. Uh, computer-generated graphics, mm-hmm. and it, it felt a little video gamey in places, but it was smooth. They're, they're bouncing up the, the side of the, the alleyway or whatever. It worked. There was only one fight scene where I kind of winced with a... I, I think if they went and refilmed that scene today, they'd do it differently. They'd do it better visually, and that was the fight sequence with the organ pipes. There were scenes, shots in that where it was very much, okay, let's get the computer-generated version bouncing between the places and stuff. The fight scene, I would like to see redone. Because mm-hmm. I think it needs to be. It just, And it wasn't that it was poorly done, it's what was done was poorly thought out. Mm-hmm. Bullseye has thrown the, the shurikens at, at Daredevil, he's caught them on the staff and thrown them back. Mm. Bullseye grabs the, the, the top of the door sill 
kicks up, breaking the stained glass window that just happened to be there in the middle of nowhere in a fairly inaccessible part of the church. Comes down, is magically catching all of the shards of, of broken stained glass flat and level in two, two stacks. Without cutting himself. Without cutting himself. And they're broken at fairly nice, large, shuriken-sized pieces, which he then starts somehow, I guess he, he throws a whole stack with one hand and then is just knocking him out with the I mean, it was ridiculous. It was yeah. well shot. It was well done. And then Daredevil is doing these somersaults backwards. If you think about it, there are going to be parts of the somersault where you're more or less horizontal. Okay, smaller target for a shuriken. Or even stained glass. But then there are going to be large parts of it where you are pretty much more or less straight up and down. Yeah. Bigger target for these things. So, that... <laughs> okay, but let's go the flip side of that. And can you guess what my all-time favorite fight scene of the movie was? The no. playground. Oh, the playground had some good stuff with the teeter-totters, the kids yelling, fight, fight, fight. Yes. It worked well. It was also very clear this Matt Murdock, not really too too worried about keeping the secret identity. <laughs> there is that. I mean, half the town should have known. <laughs> there is that. It was, I mean, it was genuinely fight sequences foreplay. Totally. But the only time he was acting blind blatantly was when he was hitting on Electra to begin with. True. Yes. So, I mean, pretty pretty thin uh, concept there for the uh, the secret identity. But, I mean, the fight sequences were well done. There was, again, some computer-generated aspect. And it's it's a 12-year-old movie. Yeah, there and is that, yeah. We're, we watched the DVD version. I don't know if there's a... I would imagine it's on Blu-ray. I don't know if the effects would have looked any better or worse. Well, and for being 12 years old, it stands up really well. It's just, again, with the organ pipes, there was an aspect of... Some of the pipes seemed, I just wondered about the dimensions, and I wondered about the way they were climbing over it, and it just felt so CG and green screen. I was like, I wonder if you did it now, would you do it the same? I never felt the green screen aspect, but there's a certain aspect of these sorts of fight sequences or whatever, that anytime you go to any kind of, of like an animated thing, whether it's traditional animation, which maybe they use some of, a rotoscope type of thing, or computer-generated animation, unless you get that movement perfect, mm -hmm. it gets kind of that uncanny valley sort of effect. And it just, it feels off, and you, you recognize that it's off even if you can't really articulate exactly why. Mm -hmm. And there are places where they just moved more computer gamey. Yeah. And of course, computer game effects even in 2003 pretty amazing yeah exactly so i mean the fact that it's noticeable they shifted that i mean it's a movie they're going to use special effects that's not a problem or a bad thing yeah exactly and i mean i i enjoyed so much of this movie it was for me a plot line that it held up i mean for as much well, as i was teasing you at one point that it took us almost the entire movie to get back to the opening scene when they start with, my li I'm dying, my life is flashing before my eyes, roll back to the origin. It's like, oh, okay. Start with something exciting and then... Yeah. But I think part of why the story stood up so well is the writer was also the director. Mm -hmm. Singular vision there for the film. Yes, yes. But it was telling the death of Electra storyline. I said there would be spoilers. Yes. But also touching on aspects on uh, Ben Yurick revealing Matt Murdock's identity, which he pulls back on. But they they picked a lot of 
Well, and the origin. A lot of classic story beats. I just have to slow you down enough to say Ben Urich's computer has the most impressive delete button I have ever seen right next to the print button. That always seemed like a bad place to put that kind of a button. I mean, I saw him... I'm almost done. Let's print... Oh, crap. I deleted it. And he didn't just delete like a little bit. Like, it just was magically zooming away. Well, and it's right above where... I think the plus sign and backspace keys should have been. I mean, it was... Print button, yeah, anyways. anyways. Yeah, that was a powerful button. But And, you know, they did some really nice stuff um, with Daredevil's, I want to say his hearing, which is like the vaguest statement The I radar sense. Well, no, actually, I was... The radar sense also, but the way that he could be standing up on the rooftop and he could hear the conversations ah. around. So he could hear the person... Saying, you know, stop, call the police, my car, you know, and that tough decision. Do I stay on my date? Do I go save the guy from being carjacked? And then there, because as you said, very spoiler filled, at the very, very end, when someone who knows Daredevil is patrolling the city and seems to have his eye on everybody, looks up for him. Yeah, the bit with Ben Urich at the end. Because in the comics, Ben Yurk actually does reveal Murdoch's identity. And then almost for there ever after, is he Daredevil? Is he not? They get it back in the bottle. They get it out. And then uh, the way the, the current comics are, he's not only been blatantly revealed and admitted because he kind of had to. Yes, I am, I am Daredevil. He's been disbarred in New York. Mm. And the only place he could practice law somewhere where he already had a law license used to be in San Francisco, goes back. So he's in San Francisco practicing law as something of a celebrity lawyer. Mm. Mm. And okay. is now kind of playing on the, yes, I was Daredevil, writing a book, the whole nine yards. Hmm. So it's something that they've they've really kind of, that, that story element has had huge ramifications and been played with in various ways over the years. Mm-hmm. So for them to at least kind of toss it out there mm -hmm. uh, the way they did, I thought worked well. And it was a good use of that character. Well, yeah. And they they went, I almost want to say they went through kind of all the possibilities. They went through the exploration, the discovering, the I think I know something. They went through all of it in the movie. Well, the other thing that's fun is this movie could have served as almost a pilot for a TV series afterwards, with Yurik basically feeding Matt, hey, look into this, it's worth doing, whatever, or being his investigative ally, mm -hmm. you know, plus whatever cases come into the law office and stuff like that. I mean, the fact that Netflix is doing a, a TV series on this, it's something that lends itself to a TV yeah. series. Now, visually, there were a few things that I, during the movie, I thought, told you, I, I don't understand what's going on. You're going to have to explain to me what I'm seeing. Because the radar sense, the way they portrayed it was difficult for me at times. They tried to do it like an actual radar sonar thing where he had to, you know, tap something to have it echo out and come back. That I did better with, like, at the train station. The train station. And that if there's too much noise, it kind of confuses it sometimes. Um, they were, I think, a little inconsistent with that. There were also places in the bar fight scene. That was where I had the problems with it. Where they were doing some other visual stuff. It wasn't the radar sense, but it was like they'd get it a little out of focus, a little kind of stroby or whatever. It was like they were cutting to the radar sense to show you how he could 
get the bullets coming towards him to dodge them, but then they were going out of the radar sense, so you were seeing how other people were seeing the fight or something like that. I wasn't clear what I was supposed to be seeing and understanding. I think it would have been better off to establish how he can do the stuff he does in the fight scene in more of a training montage mm, mm-hmm. versus trying to convey that information interactively during a kinetic, you know, high action fight scene. It was confusing. There were a few places where I felt, particularly in that scene and some other places, that the movie was very stylized and a few places over stylized. Now, I loved the use of water falling to help him see things, a la seeing Electra the first time. I, I did and I don't, because cool effect, nice story moment. But there's a part of me that wants to see a Mythbusters episode on this. Oh, and I totally agree, but they followed through with it at the end and gave it poignance and meaning. Well, and it played. Yeah. It worked well. But I, I honestly would like to know, if the Mythbusters or somebody could get together some kind of a working, kind of a radar thing, okay, here's a, a 3D representation of what it gets, then turn on a sprinkler system above it, you know, and does that make it better or worse? I've got to imagine it, you've got all these little water droplets, it's now more things to scatter. It, it seems like it would be radar defeating versus radar enhancing. Mm, yeah, I see what you're saying. But for the context of the movie, it played well for me. It, within the movie physics, it, they, they established it. It worked. They stuck with it. They were consistent. It played well. Mm-hmm. When we first got that bit with his radar sense showing the water pipes, I was like, what's going on here? It's like, I was thinking, it's, it's just like he's sensing the energy and the wires in the wall. And Well, and they had shown us the water pipes earlier in the office, and I'd forgotten about them way earlier, and that was the problem. When? When? When Kingpin and whatever his assistant were first staring out at the rain, and Kingpin was kind of tapping his cane on one of the water pipes, and we could see the water bubbling in them. And, oh, okay. Yeah, it was only because I later remembered that. that I was like, oh, yeah, okay, they played fair on it, but... They didn't establish... That's the 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 damned if you do, damned if you don't uh, situation for a movie to, uh, director, writer. Either you don't establish it well enough, and people are like, well, where did that come from? Or you establish it well enough, and well, that was telegraphed. Yeah, exactly, so, exactly. The, getting it right on that line of it's there but not telegraphed, that's that's hard. Well, and it's one of those things where I noticed it because at the time I thought, well, that's really pretty, but are we boiling water in the floor for a reason? It's just because at first it was really pretty because it was blue, but then it that was... That was what you thought was nonsensical. <laughs> yes. Not How does Daredevil happen to have an apartment in the, 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 the rafters of a church? Okay, I did wonder about that too, and only because he was posing like a gargoyle. And because he was caressing really funky statues before whacking at boxing gloves. And even that isn't as odd as, okay, he's got hidden panels in this room. No, because... He's a blind man. Did he install this this stuff himself? Because I was busy asking you, why does he sleep in a coffin full of water that you... The sensory deprivation tank they should have explained. Yeah, and the moment you told me what it was, I was like, yes, of course, I learned about that in psychology class. I now feel like an idiot. I'll shut up for two minutes of the movie. But why doesn't he come out all wrinkled? (laughs) I know, I just... But he's got also multiple Daredevil suits... 
helmets, billy clubs, etc. And someone is putting tags on his clothing and things for him, and we never see this mystery person. I took some of that to be when he first set it up, when he first bought it. I mean, he's going through this is how blind people live sort yes, of a thing. And that part, actually, I did want to give them kudos for. I liked the folding the tens differently than the fives, which are yeah. in sorted things. I thought giving us a primer on how blind people live was very nice. I was expecting somewhere him to catch somebody trying to rip him off. And I was too. I mean, I used to carpool to school with a blind kid for a summer school session. And, you know, we would get out of the cool, out of the car rather at school. And it was kind of a, okay, which of us is he going to take the shoulder of to go down the 15 stairs into school? Yeah. So every time he had his hand on his friend's shoulder, I'm like, yeah, I remember being the shoulder. Well, but I mean, the folding of the, the bills is almost incidental. Oh, yeah, he's blind with no payoff. Whereas I would have expected, again, he's getting changed. Somebody, well, let me fold the one this way, you know, kind of a thing. We didn't need it. It didn't matter. But we never saw him pay for anything, but we saw him swap the teacups, which was priceless. Yeah, with, with Foggy. We and also find out that they're almost never getting paid for what they do because it's a bartering sort of situation they've but got. But he seems to live like a millionaire. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, when did he, how could he afford to buy all this, this stuff, even if it's a rent-free place? He's got cash, he's got suits. I mean, it's, there are aspects of the backstory that they just never address. Mm-hmm. How and did he afford college? And they never address that his law partner is unsurprised that he has the sixth sense for when beautiful women are going to walk through the door. Yeah. It's funny because a lot of the same kind of ground that this movie covers was also done in the Ultimate Daredevil and Elektra miniseries. When did they meet? How did they meet? What's going You know, all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And I thought very well done in that comic. I'm trying to remember when that comic came out versus when this movie came mm. out. This is 2003 for the movie. I do not remember if the comic was before or after. Well, and one of the things that we both commented on, so I started asking you about it at one point, was some of the shots, and it was about the time of the bar fight soon thereafter, going down towards the train station, so early in the film. Yeah. There were some very... I would call them artistic shots. But to me, it felt like they were trying to create shots that they thought looked like a panel out of a comic book. And to me, who doesn't read comic books admittedly, so I'm not a good judge in my opinion, I felt like they were missing the mark. Well, it's funny because the shot they kind of begin on with him hanging onto the cross, mm -hmm. that's from a cover. And I thought, actually, that that was a great shot to begin with, because it looked to me like an iconic, hey, I can see that being on a comic book or a cover. And the other one that seemed very much that way was the end of the bar fight, where he's standing on something, and then there's the, the fire on the pool table or whatever mm -hmm. behind him. I don't recall that as a comic book cover or major image. I'm not going to say it wasn't one. I would be hard-pressed to name what I would consider those incredibly iconic Daredevil moments or, or covers, whereas in one of the Spider-Man movies, you know, Peter Parker, I think it's the one with Doc Ock, has quit, you know, Spider-Man no more, he throws the thing in the trash, you get the shot of him walking down the alley. Totally one of the iconic covers. Yeah, okay. Because not only visually is iconic, but it was an iconic moment yeah. for, for Spider-Man. 
Well, and as I recall, sort of the moment the action began after the credits, there was a skyline. Again, it felt like, in fact, that was such a stylized moment that felt like a panel from a comic book. I was almost afraid I'd signed up to watch a Sin City style movie. Was that when it was revealed it's in the reflection in the puddle? Yes. The reflections in the puddle, I felt, were a little overused. That was one of them where it goes from it's a cool moment to it's over-stylized. Because we're, we're looking at a skyline, we pull back, there's a ripple effect as a, like a, a rat runs through it. Oh, it's a puddle. We then kind of rotate 180 degrees to pan up to, to move out and get into the action or something. It's like... Mm-hmm. They had to go to, almost through gymnastics to sh- fit that shot in. Yeah, but I was grateful for the gymnastics that took me out of Sin City style movie making and back into more of what I thought I signed up for. I, I don't think it was, again, I haven't seen Sin City. I've watched about the first five minutes of it and I, I'm, I will watch it with you if you ask me to watch it with you, but it was such an art movie by my standards and not just a normal, relaxed entertainment viewing experience that well, I could 300 had very comic booky stylizations to it. And I enjoyed that. But there were a couple of shots that very much, you know, is kind of out of the comic, whatever, but it worked. Um, Watchmen, I think, had some similar stuff. I haven't seen that. We've got to watch that at some point. But there are some other films, and this was one of them where I think they were trying to go for a stylized look, and it just misses the mark in a lot of places. A lot of times, not in a way that matters or is bad, but in other places, it's, yep, they tried to pause there for, for a shot. Yeah. And it didn't, I don't see it. Well, and like, uh, after the bar fight, um, somebody runs down into the subway for what I keep calling the train sequence. And they're shooting down the stairs into the subway. And that's another place where they seem to pause for a shot. And they had the camera kind of at an angle on the stairs mm-hmm. instead of shooting straight down, which is a more traditional shot. And it felt like they were more trying to line it up like they thought a comic book panel would be lined up as opposed to just shooting it like a movie frame. And again, some of this could be hearkening back to some classic Daredevil stuff. I mean, I've been reading Daredevil since, I'm going to say somewhere around uh, 222, issue 222 or thereabouts. Um, I think that was when, right around the Frank Miller time and stuff. So some of it was... was classic daredevil it was happening i remember when he was in armor i remember other times that were definitely not highlights of the stuff Mm -hmm. but it's never been at least earlier in the the, the time frame one of those wow i just love this it's funny because i have read some really early daredevil stuff from the 60s i love the sensibility the style the acrobatics etc there's been some other stuff where you get some great lawyer moments again some great acrobatics some great stuff but then there was really a couple of decades at which I was reading it, I was liking it, but it didn't have the, wow, this is iconic, wow, this is memorable, wow, this is just amazing. It, it was good, but not some of the stuff where it's like, ooh, yeah, if they're going to do a Daredevil, they've got to have this moment and this moment and yeah. that. Well, and I mean, looking back at this movie, I would not say it had any great lawyer moments. <laughs> No, if if they were going to do another Daredevil film, I would like to see a plot line which has two prongs. And one, where you've got a really solid legal thing going on. 
where Matt Murdock is doing the equivalent of a Boston legal, Franklin and Bash, lawyer show du jour kind of mm-hmm. stuff. The soliloquies, the, the legal arguments, and the, this is, wow, this is a really good legal drama. Mm-hmm. Intercut with, you know, okay, that was the day, now at night, he's got to go beat somebody up and go do something. Either connected, but not directly connected, maybe, to the, the law thing, mm-hmm. but something where it works on both levels. Yeah. And I think that would be hard to balance, hard to do, mm-hmm. but if you can get that kind of a film into a cadence... It'd be powerful. You know, yeah, because it's okay, we've got we've to gotta do legal stuff, we've got to go do some legwork, we've got to, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the question is, do you end on the fight scene or the legal battle or both? Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be a lot of fun. But you're right, the legal stuff here was almost, he happens to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he spent very little time in the courtroom. I think we had maybe one scene. Yeah, and not a very compelling one. But I'm also hoping with the, the, the Netflix series that they do some that are a little bit more, you know, daredevilish, some that are a little bit more lawyery, or at least mm-hmm. that's enough of a thing that it feels like a legal drama with some heavy action. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Now, one of the other reasons, in addition to just wanting to rewatch the movie and there's the Daredevil series coming up, but one of the other reasons uh, I wanted to rewatch this and talk about it is Ben Affleck is going to be Batman. That's right. In the Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice film. That's right. Now, that's one of the films, I think the first film, that officially kind of kicks off the, the DC cinematic universe they're trying to build. Mm-hmm. It's going to have Jason Momoa as uh, Aquaman. Um, I like that casting, Jason oh, I th- Momoa. I think it's great casting. The minute I they do. cast him, it's like, that's Aquaman. Yeah, I like that. Um, And it's going to be a fairly different Aquaman than we've seen before. They've mm-hmm. cast, and I'm forgetting who all the people they've cast are, but obviously going to Superman, Wonder Woman, etc. Uh, a Flash, uh, stuff like that. Well, and having just watched this, I can see Ben Affleck doing a Batman. I think so. I think he's also improved as an actor in the intervening years. I watched Argo not long ago. Yeah. Thought he did a great job there. Yeah. And he did good here. Yeah. He was, I think, handicapped uh, by the uh, the hair. They gave him red hair, but it was still really dark, so you couldn't really tell it was red, but it was supposed to be red, and it just kind of stood up in a really awkward way. Yeah, early on I remarked that this was far from the best haircut he'd ever been given for a movie, and it was fortunate that we were not rating the movie based on the haircut. Uh, Again, him as Batman I think is going to be interesting because physically it's a similar style character, street level human, you know, fighter type. But it's a different body language for Batman than Daredevil. But I think he can pull off the tuxedo and that aspect also. And there are some actors that are just so comfortable in the shorts and the beach attire. You know what I mean? I think he can pull off Bruce Wayne. I think he can pull off Batman. It's just going to be a question of what is his take on those characters. Mm-hmm. Whereas I thought he did a really good job here with, with Matt Murdock and Daredevil and had a reasonably good take on them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's clear he, he understands the characters. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he's a comic fan just, uh, you know, naturally, regardless of the acting stuff. Um, the fact that they really pulled together, I think, a, a tight cast here, uh, hit some of the major storylines and elements, and did it with a reverence. Yes is a good sign, and I can also, though, see how, yes, they did the Electra movie afterwards, but no more Daredevil after this. I can see that. It was nothing that really called out saying, oh, we must have Daredevil too. 
I was gonna say, I enjoyed it, but I was gonna use the expression, it didn't sparkle. It, it didn't captivate me to the point that I'm sitting here chomping at the bit for more. I mean, I want to see Electra because I was so sad by the condition she was in at the end. Um, the mid-credits scene, I couldn't have cared less about. Yeah. Um, but the braille necklace at the end of the movie, I was so relieved and delighted to see it. It gave me hope. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer Gardner, I think, did a good job in the role. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different of an Electra than we get in the comics because she's a little colder of a character in the comics. Her title is usually not Electra, but Electra Assassin. Mm. You know, and granted, now she's just had Electra as the title a few times too. But there's a pragmatic hired assassin aspect to the character, which we don't really get here. Well, in Daredevil, this movie, it feels like more of an origin story for Electra. You know, she's had all the training prior to this movie. She saw her mother die, but in this movie, she witnessed her father's death. Yeah. You know, she nearly killed the man she loved, thinking, as she's doing it, not knowing it's the man she loved, but thinking she's killing the man who killed her father. Then realizing she nearly killed the man she loved by mistake. Yeah. So, I mean, the emotional journey of that character in this movie is remarkable. Well, and it's also nice how they balance having done Daredevil's origin early in the film. Hers kind of throughout. They do some implication of the origin of Kingpin mm. and Bullseye. Not really Bullseye. Bullseye just kind of is. Yes. But we get, oh, I want a costume and some of that stuff, which he never really got. He just got a really weird jacket. Um, in the comic, his costume is, is very much just an all-black thing with a, a, a bullseye. Go figure. He's a very simple guy. He is. I'm pretty sure on your fingers and toes, you could count most of his dialogue. Yeah, his, his dialogue wasn't that great, and he was kind of eating up the scenery, but I think that was kind of the point. Yeah. And in the comics, he's still a little bit hardcore kind of that way. I mean, I... I suspect the original script had twice as much dialogue for him, and they went through and purposely cut out half of it to make him that simple and succinct. And like the scene where... Obsessive. Yes. Yes. He comes across as obsessive. He's not the kind of guy you go and have drinks with. Oh, no. He's single-minded. And, you know, in the stealing the motorcycle scene, there was no reason for dialogue. Yeah. So if there was any dialogue in the first draft of the script, it was removed, would be my assumption. Well, and he is one of the main recurring bad guys for Daredevil, as is Kingpin. Uh, but with, with Bullseye very much because, well, he killed Elektra. Mm. And he'd mm -hmm. been around before then and stuff. And, and Kingpin really, I think, pretty sure originated with the Spider-Man stuff. Spider-Man comics. You know, with Kingpin in the movie, he finds out Daredevil's identity. And I love how Daredevil basically dares him to, yeah, yeah, when you get to jail, feel free, tell people who I am. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, in the comics, he knew. Okay. I forget when he knew versus when uh, Yurik knew and all that stuff. But that was one of the things why it kept coming back up. Interesting. Is Kingpin would kind of throw that out there once in a while, just to just to distract Daredevil or whatnot. Well, in this, it was it was very much a yeah. Tell people a blind guy beat you up. Yeah. No, it worked well, and 
was was fun in that respect. Well, and I'm pretty sure what both his knees were busted. It was a little unclear again because they kept shoot uh, shifting the um the shot style. Yeah, but I mean, um, but but his legs were broken. His kneecaps were in for something. He was in bad shape. Yeah, Daredevil had slid under. Kicked him really hard in both legs, presumably broke, breaking the lower part of the leg, and he falls down to get the weight off that. Yeah. And, of course, Kingpin, not a small guy. All his weight onto his kneecaps, so... Yes. It was a little unclear exactly what was broken or whatnot, but at least to me. Um, but, I mean, it was very much, he's out of action for the moment, but he will get better. Yeah. Not a good thing. And, you know, I I loved the journey of Daredevil in terms of that almost revelation at one point. I'm not the bad guy. Well, what was interesting is the first time he says that line, it's in, you know, to a kid where he's just beating up the kid's father. And, and he realizes, you know, that could have been me, mm-hmm. you know, when somebody else was beating up his dad. Mm-hmm. So there's a certain weight. I've got to rethink this. How is this looking? I'm not the bad guy almost trying to convince himself. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I liked that ethical quandary part of the character mm-hmm. because that and the religious stuff has always been an aspect of the character. He's a lawyer. He's breaking the law. Mm-hmm. That duality, um, there's a lot of, of story juice there. Mm-hmm. A lot of things you can get out of that, and sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. More often than not, they do. Yeah, one of the images that just popped into my head that did look like a frame out of a comic book was, uh, again, it was in the bit down in the subway station, but it was after they found the guy who had died, and the cop was telling the Uh. reporter that, nah, Daredevil wasn't here, Daredevil wasn't involved. And he goes, "Uh uh-huh, I believe you, and he flicks the cigarette. And the flames form the Daredevil logo, and we see it reflected in the reporter's glasses. That kind of a shot where you get the double D mm-hmm. often happened either as a spotlight kind of a thing or a cover image. Again, it's the logo of the character. It's a he's there, so doing it in flames. I'm virtually positive that's happened as a cover image. And it was also just a nice touch. Oh, it was beautiful. And like I said, there were just a lot of beautiful images that I did get and did appreciate in the film. And that's why there were times when there were some that I'm like, I don't get what they're doing or if they're trying, I'm missing it. There were some that fell flat, but there were some that hit the mark. Yeah. But I I think, I don't know if it would need a better director of of photography or cinematography or what there were. Well, and I'm wondering if there were some I just missed because of my ignorance of the comics and the material. Uh, To me, a good shot shouldn't require that. True, true. Well, like you're saying, like with the double D in the flames, I got it even without that familiarity. That's a powerful image. And some of this could be on the editing. The shot at the end of the bar felt like, well, it's it's a shot. It's supposed to be something because they hung on it. That's very true. Several of the ones that I'm stumbling on were ones that it felt like they hung on. In one of the Batman films, he's in the bat plane. He's going, he comes up above the cloud and at the top of the arc is right there lit with the moon directly behind him. It's the bat signal look. Mm-hmm. Hang for a second and then go, you know, mm. down and continue on. It's like, well, he was using that to turn around or something. But it's a, ooh, look, cool moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are a few things here where it's, ooh, look, a moment. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't quite that cool. And maybe for other people it works great. Mm-hmm. But that's the kind of thing that as 
as a writer, you can write those in, but you've got to give thoughts to, will they be shot well? Yeah. As a director, you can see them and say, ah, I don't know if I could shoot it, or maybe you can. But it also comes down to the editing. Mm-hmm. If that scene at the end of the, the bar fight had just kind of, okay, he's seeing that he's done, move on. Mm-hmm. Versus, okay, he's looking over the place. He's still looking over the place. Mm-hmm. And now he's done. And by the way, he was a blind man. Still looking over <laughs> the place. Yes, yes, there is that. <laughs> yeah. So there were a couple of places that, you know, maybe just a little tightening of the editing could have helped it a little. And it, again, it wasn't bad, but there are a few where it's like, I'm missing something here. They're trying to do something I'm just not getting. Yeah. But I mean, by and large, fun film, great cast. I'm really glad I watched it, knowing that the Netflix show is about to start up. Yeah. Now, at the moment, I don't have Netflix. Um, I'm going to, we have to see when it is, how much it is, all that kind of stuff, and what the timeline is. Because it may be that it makes sense to do it maybe, well, you know, if they're just going to put it on a, a DVD set shortly thereafter. Yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, we're going to be traveling some over the summer, too. But I'm definitely curious about that stuff and how it goes. Yeah, this movie was definitely, for me, a reminder that these are characters I liked a lot more than I'd remembered. Because I watched the movie with you years ago, and I'd kind of filed away as I enjoyed it. It's got the aspect of of Matt and Foggy, the buddy lawyers. You've got, you know, the, the, the newspaper reporter. You know, and the vigilante. There's there's a lot of story potential that mm-hmm. the character just has built in. Mm-hmm. So certainly a 13-episode TV series, which hopefully we'll have more afterwards, no-brainer. They, they could do at least 13 really good kind of either uh, stories or, or episodes. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I'm looking forward to that. And then, of course, we still got the Electra film to, to go watch. Yeah. So I'm not sure when we'll get to that, when we'll get that episode up. Anything else? Does that pretty much do it? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.